Hey, it's me, the real Amy Sarah. Thanks for joining me here at the Sacred Storms Podcast. It's a place where I explore how I see God in the not-so-great circumstances of my life, Um, what I call the sacred in every storm. Now, sometimes a storm is bad things, and sometimes a storm can be a good thing. Uh, Not all storms come to destroy. Some storms come to clear a path. So I encourage you to just hang out and hear what I have to say, and I hope you'll keep coming back time and again, because I really do love the um, opportunity to speak to others and share what I've gone through in my life as maybe a living testament to how good God is and how we can survive some of the hard things and come out seeing good in them. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, it's me, the real Amy Sarah, and thanks for joining me today on the Sacred Storms podcast. Today's Sacred Storm is called Justice. So I wanted to talk a little bit today about turning the other cheek, and you can find the blog post um, at therealamysarah.com. And the scripture for today is Matthew 5, that's chapter 5, verse 39, and Luke chapter 6, verse 29. And there are a couple of other verses in Matthew that I'm going to read, but I want you to know that that is the main verse. So first thing I'm going to read here is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 39, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. And by the way, this is from the New King James Version of the Bible. Uh, But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Then the chapter right after that is uh, Matthew 5 verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, and this is Jesus talking, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, What reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do you do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. Okay, I want you to know that that verse, that's Matthew chapter 5, verse 48 Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. It's actually Jesus telling us to be perfect. That is so opposite of what every church who is on the praising end of God, uh, what I would consider a, a rock church or a loose church or a vineyard church or a praise Jesus church, they are all telling you, you know, God says nobody's perfect and that's why we have Jesus. And you know what? That's not the truth. The truth is, God said we are sinners and we need Jesus. We need Jesus in order to get to heaven. We have sinned so egregiously in our lives. We could never pay that back. 
no matter what the sin is. It, you could, it could be the most minuscule sin that you, you may think, oh, I've lived this perfect life. I've only told one lie. Guess what? That one lie separates you the same distance from God as someone who murders someone. So, so know this. If you hear a preacher telling you, honey, nobody's perfect and that's why we have Jesus, that's not the whole truth. The whole truth is, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever shall believeth in him shall not perish, but live eternally. So know that. Know that Jesus didn't come because you're not perfect. Jesus came because you sinned. And he came to be to be a, a, a capitulation to pay the penalty for your sin by dying on the cross. And so Jesus himself then tells us we are supposed to be perfect like God in heaven. So no matter what the preachers tell you, no, you're never going to be perfect. We can all admit that we're human. But the goal is to attempt perfection. The goal is to every day get up and strive strive for perfection and in so doing we will be just as our father in heaven is perfect in so doing we are reflecting our father in heaven and in order to be perfect we must love all people even those who hate us even though those who actually spitefully use us and persecute us we're to love those people that's that's a really bitter pill I'm here to tell you because I have had a very rough couple of years probably a decade probably a decade plus 10 but I want to tell you in this podcast justice does not belong to me more on that so in chapter 6 It says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say unto you, they will have their reward. They have it now. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Whatever you're doing, don't be doing it for the world because then that's where your reward comes from. It comes from the world. Okay, we're moving on now. We're still in Matthew. We're going to go on to chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 13. Oh, sorry. Chapter 7, verse 13. We're going to Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that lead to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way to which leads to life, and there are few who find it. I've really shrunk this down into really, really simple terms. It's difficult, but it's possible. Do what's right. Um, God was hitting me, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, like, there. you know how you drive down the road and you see uh, b- billboards that tell you, you know, like, ER waiting room, 10 minutes or whatever. Or you see a billboard that says, you know, restaurants ahead, and it tells you what the restaurants are. God was showing me little by little, you've got to do what's right here. You've got to narrow yourself down. And he doesn't, didn't mean that just for this justice thing I'm going to deal talk about. Um, but that is the main thing God was dealing with me about during the month of December. But, but God has been telling me for a long time now, uh, six months maybe, 
um, the, the gate, the, the path is narrow. And so if you're doing something that everybody's doing, that's not a God thing. That's not a God thing. And God himself has been speaking to my heart about this of, you know, the things that I'm going to ask you to do are going to be very different than what the world's going to ask you to do. And so one of the things that I know God has been calling me to do is speak the truth. And that's where that whole thing comes in about, you know, you're not perfect. No, you're not. But God expects you to be perfect. He expects you to reflect his image. And Jesus commands you to be perfect. You are to be perfect so that you will be like your father in heaven. Um, not many preachers are preaching that same thing, you know, you know, God sent Jesus because you're not perfect. No, God sent Jesus to be penalty for your sin. And that's the truth of the matter. So when you think, oh, it's just because I'm just not perfect, quote unquote, perfect. No, it's because you're sinful and it's not a popular thing to hear. And it, it's going to make people irate because nobody wants to be told they're a sinner. Uh, but that's the truth of the matter. That is the blatant truth of the matter. Okay, so moving right on, we were in Matthew uh, chapter 7, that was verse 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way with leads, which leads to life. There are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit gets cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Remember that because in, I mean, if you don't already see people's fruit, if you can't recognize it and the fruits are the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are the fruits of the spirit. If you, if the people who are leading you, who you are trusting, do not exhibit all of those fruits in their life. They're not good fruits. They're bad fruits. And they will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. Jesus is not playing. Okay. So all the things that you see, um, big flashy preachers doing, if they are also not doing the will of God in heaven, they are not going to end up with God in heaven. And so you make sure that what you're doing is, is definitely that. And the last thing in Matthew that I wanted to share with you is chapter 15, Matthew chapter 15. And this is the big kahuna the big takeaway that I know for a fact God was saying to me and and this is how you know God's talking to you because you can go to scripture and you can find it and so what God was saying to me uh what happened is one day I had a little meltdown okay and I don't even know what month it was but I can tell you that what came out of my mouth was so nasty and it was like not just curse words okay because like okay 
So first of all, I want to be very clear that curse words, cuss words, different things, curse words and cuss words are different things. And cussing the big four letter words, you know, um, that's not necessarily written in the Bible as a curse. Okay. Unless you're using those four letter words to curse someone, then it's not a curse. And therefore by nature, it's not necessarily a sin to say those words. Is it pretty? No. Is it becoming of an intelligent person? Definitely not. But is it a sin? That's going to be between you and God. Um, but cursing someone, putting something on them that is not of God, cursing them, that is definitely a sin. And God tells us that. Blessings and cursings come from the mouth. You cannot do both at the same time. And so you have to choose. So in... So God was telling me when I had this little meltdown and I spewed out all this ugly words and I was literally just full of hate and anger and evil and just evil things were coming out of my mouth. I sensed through the Holy Spirit, I sensed God saying, this is what's inside of you and it's coming out. You're rotten on the inside and now your rottenness is coming out of your mouth. Listen to what this, this chapter 15 says. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. First of all, I'm a germaphobe. So you will hardly ever catch me eating something if I haven't washed my hands first. Now, you may not see me wash my hands. Maybe I've sanitized them with sanitizer in the car before I, you know, come in the door and you'll see me use my sleeves, whatever. Generally, before I touch any kind of food, really anything from the out in my house, if I've been outside, I wash my hands. I'm a germaphobe. But we don't have to wash our hands before we eat. You see, the tradition of the elders was... This was a routine that they had to have. Now we are in Matthew. Matthew is the New Testament. Um, what these Pharisees and um, scribes were saying was these were these were like the people of the Jews, the religious law, who would look at these scrolls and they they had all the rules on it. Okay, and see before Jesus came, the way to get forgiven or get clean was to follow the rules. And so if you did X sin, then you had to bring X sacrifice. And if you did X um, sin, then you had to do X sacrifice. In order to, to eat a certain way and not have it be a sin, you had to follow XYZ steps. Same thing. Um, women on their cycles couldn't be, they were considered unclean, so you couldn't be around anyone. Then you had to go take a bath in a special like bathing pool and before you could even come to worship. Like if you were on your period in Old Testament times, you couldn't even go to church. Think about those kind of rules. And so here they are, they're at Jesus, you know, they're meeting with Jesus and they want to know why don't we all eat, wash our hands before we eat. And Jesus answered and said to them, this is verse three in chapter 15. Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded saying, honor your father and mother and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he not need honor his father or mother. You see, they're changing the rules. Okay. And it's not just they're changing the rules. They're changing the rules and they're teaching people, follow this XYZ tradition, and then you don't have to honor your mom and dad, okay? There are religions that do this to this day, okay? Think about a religion 
that's a man-made religion that when you go to the place that you worship, um, you pay a certain dollar amount. And if your certain dollar amount is not in that little collection box or plate or whatever you have that passes around a basket, a hat, whatever, um, the, the leader of that religious sect will come to your home and find out why it's not there. But you can do certain sins as long as your money, your tithe is in the box or the circle or the basket or whatever. Um, and so think about that. It still goes on to this day. But Jesus condemned that and he said, you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophecy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Okay, that is Matthew 15, that's chapter 15, verses 7, 8, and 9. And that right there tells you everything you need to know about religious sects. S-E-C-T-S. I know it's hard to understand me. I'm working on getting my, my teeth fixed. But for now, just hear me say, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. That's chapter 15, verse 8. Verse 9 says, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines... The commandments of men, the commandments of men, not God, men. Chapter 15, verse 10, when he had called the multitude to himself, this is Jesus, he said to them, hear and understand. This is Jesus telling us, hear and understand. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth defiles a man. Then his disciples came to him and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But Jesus answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Remember how we just talked about the, the false prophets and how they're going to be cut up, pulled up from the ground and burnt? Um, that's, that's where he's going back to that. Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. The Pharisees, let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. This is where you've heard that saying, the blind leading the blind. It's not a joke. And it's not something funny to laugh at. Because when the blind leads the blind, nobody knows where they're going. And they're going to fall. And what do, what do we say is the fall in religion? Well, that's when, when Adam and Eve sinned the original sin was the fall and what that did was it brought the curse upon all of mankind and so if the blind leads the blind and they fall in a ditch they're going to die and that's what's going to happen to us if we are messing with the pharisees okay then peter answered and said to jesus explain this parable to us okay so jesus said are you still without understanding do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? Okay. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, fault wit false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Chapter 15, verses 1 through 20, 
is exactly what God was saying to me when I was spewing all of that evil out of my mouth. All right, now let's back this train up and I'm going to tell you a little story. When I was in middle school, I I was not a popular kid. I was not a popular kid pretty much my whole life. But in middle school, you know, girls are, you know, already have their friend groups. And essentially what happened was we were all on the bus and one of my friends who I thought was a friend, she had been connecting with other girls who were athletes. They were all out for track. And um, I was also out for track, but I was a distance runner and these girls were sprinters and one was a shot putter. And so anyway, they were all sitting in this back area and maybe five seats ahead. I was sitting up there. I don't even know who I was sitting by, but whatever. So I'm sitting up there by myself. Uh, and then my friend and, and these other girls are sitting about five seats back. I don't know what was said back there. I don't know how this even came about. But I heard my friend stand up. Well, I heard her say out loud, Hey, Amy, Sarah. And then I turned around and she's standing up and she's like, You know, sometimes I just want to slap you. I don't know what provoked this. I was not even having a dialogue with them. I don't know that I can recall. Maybe I was. I don't know. If anybody's listening to this that was in this group that remembers this happening, please contact me and let me know. But in my mind, I don't remember having a conversation. I was sitting forward, paying attention to my own self, was not bothering anyone. She decided that she wanted to slap me. Now, most normal kids would be like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Let's, let's calm down. Let's diffuse the situation. Not Amy Sarah. Amy Sarah was like, okay, bring it on. Go for it. Let's, let's see what you got. Um, I just, I mean, I was not afraid of her and I didn't really actually, I mean, I think I was calling her bluff because I didn't really think she was going to hit me. She walked up to me, slapped me across the face, walked back to her seat and sat down. I, I don't even know if she said something after that. I don't know if the others said anything. I don't know if they laughed at me. I have no idea. What I remember is facing forward being very stoic. I didn't cry. I didn't react. I said nothing. The remainder of the bus ride home, I just kept thinking she was supposed to be my friend. Why, why did she do that? And I remember talking to God about it in my heart, trying to figure out what, what, what just happened and what, what should my response be? Now, I do remember that mom and I had had a talk once about turning the other cheek. So So I knew that that was on my mind. And so I just decided at that moment, I was going to do nothing, say nothing. And and I needed to forgive her. And so I just said in my heart, you know, Lord, I forgive her. I don't think she knows what she did here. I don't know what she did here, but I know that, you know, she's supposed to be my friend. And so I'm just going to forgive her. And that was that. Nothing was ever said about it. Now, I'm going to take a quick break and then... I'm going to come back and tell you what happened regarding this bus slap of middle school later on in high school. So stay tuned. Come back. Hey, it's me, the real Amy Sarah, and thank you so much for coming back to hear part two of the sacred storm of justice. So where we were just a few minutes ago was that I was in middle school. One of my dear friends or someone I considered my dear friend had decided to slap me across the face and I decided that I would do nothing. I would not react and I would forgive her at that moment. 
Um, so I forgave her in my heart. Nothing was ever said. It was never brought up again. I don't think she and I actually had a conversation until a couple of years later. Uh, we per were probably freshmen or so in high school. And then um, we just never talked about it. Fast forward until graduation day. Um, I graduated in a class of 20 students, okay, 21 students. And so my class was very small. We, we all kind of grew up together. Uh, most of the students that were in my class I had known since kindergarten and, and some even before. So it's graduation day. We're all standing in the choir room. We've got our robes on. I think a couple of boys were like trying to light up a cigar in there. It was not good. But um, my friend says to me, hey, do you remember like on the bus when I slapped you? And I was like, yeah, I sure do. And she goes, why didn't you react? Why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you get mad? And I said, because I was taught to turn the other cheek. And she goes, you know what? I have felt so bad about doing that to you all these years. So from the day she hit me till the day we graduated high school, it, and that was at least four years, it was probably six years, she felt guilt. She lived with that every single day. And she finally came to me the last day of high school because she knew, I mean, she was going to college and I, and I was probably leaving and we would probably never see each other again. And she said, I have felt so guilty about that and I just want to say I'm sorry. And I told her, you know, I forgave you the second you did it. And I wasn't lying like I had forgiven her. That was how I was able to continue to go to school for every day. That's why I was nice to her because God allowed me to forgive her that minute and I didn't hold on to it. And that's the biggest part about forgiving someone is that it didn't make what she did okay. It didn't give her an excuse. It offered her nothing except it untied me. It released me from being tied up to that incident, to, from being tied up to the anger from being tied up to the confusion, from being tied up to feeling sad or dejected or unloved, it freed me from all of that. When I said, I forgive her, God, I know she doesn't really know what she's doing, um, or I don't think she does. I don't know what just happened, but I forgive her. It cleared the slate, and any handcuffs that might have attached me to that incident were not on me. Now, they were on her. Now, I think today... If I would have forgiven her at the moment, maybe she wouldn't have felt the guilt. I don't know. Maybe she would have. Um, I know that they would have made fun of me for sure. But all I can do is try something new the next time. But I know that God honored that forgiveness and he protected me from ever, you know, being hit again by another classmate. I mean, he worked on her heart. I mean, so there were, there were, Things that happen in the spiritual realm that I have no idea about. But I know that God commanded me to forgive, and so I forgave. And everything else was butter. And so when we graduated, you know, she knew that I had forgiven her, and she, I knew that she had, she really did regret it. She was remorseful. And so I know that she is a Christian. I know that she loves Jesus, and I know that she actually does amazing work for the underserved. And 
And I know that God is blessing her. And I know that he is not upset with her. And I know that she's forgiven. And I hope that she's living forgiven. So fast forward um, 30 years, 35 years maybe. And here we are. We've just had our baby and we've moved back to our home state and we want to grow, you know, we want our kids to grow up with their grandparents. And so we have this idea in our head of we're going to move out and into the country and we're going to be somewhere in the middle and grandparents are going to come and they're going to love on our babies and they're going to have this really tight relationship. And, um, it doesn't work out quite the way we think it should. It, it doesn't quite happen that way. And then add to that, we had some tragedy where our children, um, were traumatized and it happened to be that this trauma occurred under the watchful eye of a family member and so what happened is that there was you know sin from some you know someone else committed sin the free will of that person um was enacted upon our children now some people would say well that should prove to you that god is mean and angry and evil and whatever or maybe that was God paying me back for something or whatever I don't believe that at all I believe that God is good and that he loves us and I do believe that he wants us to always turn towards him but I also believe that everyone who walks this planet has free will and that that is designed specifically so that when we come to God we're doing it on our own he doesn't want robots and so if your free will is for good then you will do good. There's that fruit again. But if your free will is for evil, then you're going to do evil. And so sometimes people who are evil do evil things. Well, a lot of times, because good people don't generally do evil things unless something is wrong in their mind. So I say all that to say when the trauma happened, we as parents did the best thing that we could do for our kids. And then we were sort of let down by the system. And this happens a lot, you know, nothing comes of it. And so then you get discouraged. But um, what didn't happen was forgiveness did not happen. And so I was handcuffed to that trauma forever. (laughs) forever 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 and there was you know just like the girl on the bus there was never an apology given to me but the difference is I didn't forgive right away I held on to it I stayed attached to it and maybe I didn't think about it every day maybe I didn't even think about it 10 days you know I don't know but what I know is that I never offered that same forgiveness and so 10 years later the situation comes up again, not with my children, with someone else's child. And that unforgiveness that was in my heart, that unforgiveness that lived in there, you know, I will tell you, I would say I was a youth minister. I preached on the pulpit. I mean, I did all these things. I had communion. The Bible says, if you have something against someone, Go fix it before you come up here and have communion. And I totally didn't do that. I was sinning all over the place, right and left in my own thing. But I I, I just didn't even recognize there was, I, I lived that unforgiveness and it had taken root inside of me. There were other things that happened on a similar vein that I had not forgiven. And so... August, well, it was really like maybe April, May, and June of last year. 
the Lord started talking to me about unforgiveness and he started real, real soft, you know, because I mean, God can be thunderous and he can be like, cut you off. I know that for a fact. I've watched it happen. But how it was happening for me at that moment was God was just softly saying to me, you have to deal with the things that you haven't been dealing with. You have to, uh, you know, you have to get in there and clean up this sin, this sin of unforgiveness. And, and that's all that was being said. It wasn't very direct. It wasn't like, okay, you need to forgive X, Y, Z for this. And you need to forgive ABC for this. That's not how it was at all. It was just God saying to me, there's stuff in your heart that's causing you problems. It's causing you anger. It's causing you, meaning me, there was things inside of me that were making everything I was going through very difficult, 10 times harder. And I was very angry, outside angry. And so the words I were, was using were angry. I, I was less patient. Um, now, I will say that some of this also is brought on by um, my my progressive brain degeneration. I mean, like, I know that some of that is happening, but there's a difference. There's a difference in accidentally cussing and spewing anger. And those, that's the difference in no, that's how I know what is, what part of my brain, what part of my language is my brain and what part of my language is unforgiveness. Because pure evil, when pure evil comes out of you, that's, that's sin living in you, or that's evil inside of you. Just slipping and saying the S word, that's not evil because it's not, it's not coming from an evil place. It's coming from a defect in your filter. Um, so I sensed God telling me, you are having unforgiveness and this is eating at you and it's creating stench. Okay, so think about garbage like your scrap food and you know diapers and all that and put it in a bag sorry for the big pop there put it in a bag a a plastic garbage bag and then put that garbage bag in a room that is 98.6 degrees and let it sit there for nine months what do you think is going to be inside like that garbage bag is going to keep expanding with nauseous noxious gases from the decomposition of all the stuff that's inside there. And that's exactly what was happening in my heart. Like sewage was just all in my heart. And God knew it. God could see my heart. I couldn't see it. And so that was in April, May, June, August. I knew, like I, I knew God was saying, okay, you are holding people hostage and that's not right. And I want you to stop. And they have to know that they're loved. But I'm in a situation where I have to betray the people I love in order to let these other people who are not loving us know that God loves them. Okay, if you follow that, that's a big circle. Okay, so say my friend Charlie has wronged my family but I know God is telling me Charlie needs to know that they're loved. So if I go to Charlie and say, you know, God loves you. God wants you to live forgiven. I forgive you. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Would you like to pray the sinner's prayer? My 
family could be completely upset and feel betrayed by my actions. And I know this. And so I'm talking to God and I'm like, okay, God, help me figure out a way to do this, what you want me to do without hurting these people that I love because they're injured. And my heart, as sick as it was and as sin-filled and as evil as it was, also still is loving and full of compassion for the injured and for those who are wronged. So God basically says to me, so I'm waiting for God to tell me what to do or to do something for me. And the only thing I come up with is I tell another family member, hey, well, actually they approached me and they were spilling out their heart to me about this person. And I knew, I knew that was God saying, okay, I'm going to let this happen this way, but you still have to do your unforgiving. Like you still have to forgive people. You still have to deal with your own sin. And so we were talking in August and I said, you know, I know that God is going to use you to do big things in this situation because I know he's been talking to me about it and now he's talking to you about it. So this is just confirmation. And then I heard from another person, the same, very similar thing. And so what I learned was that, you know, when you get confirmation like that, God is at work and that's what he's doing and that's the plan. And so I just said, okay, God, you've got the plan for that person, for little Charlie. And so now you want me to deal with my unforgiveness. And so then I'm going, well, other than Charlie, what am I not forgiving? And so it took a while took a long time. Well, actually it didn't because then the next month I got a phone call and I, you know, it all just bubbled up to the top, but I sat on it. I sat on it because, you know, if, if I'm not anything, I am stubborn. I am so stubborn. I am hard headed. And so I sat on that and then, you know, things were happening and God was softening my heart, just like that little cuticle oil you used to get from the Avon. God was softening my heart. And then we went to this live animal play and at the live animal play, God moved in such a big way. And so we left there and we talked as a family and I knew, I knew that God wanted me to reach out and offer forgiveness. And so I went about doing that. Now, God did not specifically say, I want you to go ahead and send a text message or a phone call or go meet up with so-and-so. God just said, you need to forgive. Okay. So me being me, I want them to know that they're forgiven. I want them to live forgiven. I want them to know that, you know, Jesus died for us and it's Christmas season. And the whole reason he was born is so that they could be forgiven. And so, um, the first person, little Charlie, you know, I sent Charlie a text and then I heard nothing. So I went on into little, um, JR and JR, I sent a text. Now JR actually was kind of like, sent me an apology, but not for the thing that I was forgiving JR for. So when I got the apology, I just didn't respond because clearly JR did not understand the, the egregious or the sin or the, the infarction or whatever it was. Clearly JR didn't understand why I would even be upset. And so when they texted me an apology, I just didn't respond because I thought, you know, what, if you really meant that you were sorry, then you would call and not text. But I digress because I just did the same thing. I went ahead and texted JR back and said, I forgive you and I am sorry. Would you please forgive me for being so petty that I didn't answer you until now? I heard nothing back from JR. To this moment, I've heard nothing back from either one. Now, I'm free of all of the things. Like, I don't live attached to that anymore because I've offered the forgiveness. But what I want to share about this situation is that I learned 
I learned from this in Matthew chapter 5, right? Verse 20, what? 39? Yeah. If anyone wants, if whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other cheek to him also. Uh, do not resist an evil person. Okay, so what I learned from that instance was that when God tells us to turn the other cheek, you know, he didn't, he's not trying to tell us how to take a hit. He's trying to save us from drama. And the reason I believe this is because God told me to offer forgiveness. He did not tell me to make it public. Um, and so... I think that by sending the message, hey, you're forgiven, Jesus is the reason, la, 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 that may have put heaping coals on their heads. That may have irritated them. Um, if a person is narcissistic, obviously they don't care. I, I don't really know what it did for them. But what I know is it caused drama because then at the next function, well, Charlie didn't speak to me, or Charlie had no issues because Charlie never got the text. And so Charlie just is blissfully unaware that I have forgiven them and I don't care anymore. JR knows, JR got the text, knows, and JR now avoids me, will not talk to me, doesn't make eye contact with me, and does communicate with my husband, which is strange because one would think that, that JR would be... Um, awkward around him, but no, not so much. Um, but what I, what I learned from that is some people like drama so much so that when they're offered forgiveness, instead of saying, thank you, you're forgiven. They want to stay tied up to the thing, right? And so what I know is that JR was not actually offering me forgiveness and JR, we'll see, JR was not actually apologizing. That's what I want to say. Yeah. JR was not even really probably sorry. Um, JR apologized if something happened and I was upset because of a specific action. JR apologized if I was upset. I don't think JR really was sorry, but I think JR really likes to hold on to the angry things because it's something to be angry about, right? And when life sucks lemons, you need something to be angry about besides the lemons. I think, I think, I think that's it. I don't know. Anyway, so regardless of, of what happened there, uh, why JR doesn't forgive me, I think had I just said, like I did on the bus in middle school, Lord, and this is why God like, or this is why, you know, God loves the faith of a child. This is why Jesus says, suffer the little children to come unto me. Because when you're a kid, all this other stuff doesn't get involved. Like, you know what God wants you to do and you just do it. 
I knew God wanted me to forgive them. I shouldn't have made a production about it. I should have just said, God, you know, in my prayer time, I should have just said, God, I forgive Charlie and JR. And I am so sorry that, you know, I have held on to this anger so long that it's become septic and that I'm spewing evil everywhere. I hate that. And I don't want to be displeasing to you. I want to be perfect like you, God. So just please forgive me. And I forgive them. And can we, you know, your word says, you know, that I will be given the same forgiveness that I give others. So better late than never. They are forgiven. I'm untied. They're untied. They can go and be reunited with you and I can be reunited with you. Thank you, Jesus, for making that possible. Instead of doing that, I sent text messages and I forgave the person. And I did in my heart. I mean, God knows my heart. He knows that I've forgiven them. I'm not even angry. But the reward was an earthly thing it wasn't done to God and so now I have to go do this other thing to get right with God and to become more perfect right as my father in heaven is perfect and so Luke I read the whole the whole book of Luke from December 1st till Christmas Eve night because there's 24 chapters and the book of Luke um number what was the verse was it 39 because I did Matthew 29 is that what it was Yes, Luke 6, Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, verse 29, verse 29 says, To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer also the other. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, What credit is it to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your father is also merciful. This is Jesus saying these things. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. We are going to be known by the fruit we produce. And while, while growth and production and fruit need some manure once in a while, that manure should not come out of our hearts. It shouldn't come out of our mouths. And it shouldn't come out of our actions. God deals with us each in our own way. And I hope that whatever he is talking to you about, however silently, I hope that you'll hear him and I hope that you'll respond in obedience because obedience to God is honestly the only way we're going to stay on that narrow path. Roaming over here and there, doing whatever we want, whatever feels good. Yeah, it's, it's going to feel good for the moment, but it is not getting us to heaven and it is not doing us any eternal good. It's just temporal. It's just momentary. So I encourage you. Follow the narrow path. Listen to what God is saying. 
be faithful to him and obey because the reward oh the reward eternal heaven oh my goodness all right so i am gonna super quickly pray and then i'm gonna bust out of here and let y'all get on with your lives father god thank you so much for this day thank you for the lessons that you've taught me thank you so much for these people who come to listen and share their experiences with me on my socials and here on the uh, podcast thank you god for making every storm that we face sacred thank you for using it all to your glory for the good of those who are called according to your purpose lord that is us that is me i am she i am yours please continue to use me in the way that brings you the most glory i surrender myself to you god i thank you for each one that you put in my path i thank you for all that you give me all that you place in my life whether it is something i consider good or bad i know that it is all for your good for my good i ask your blessing upon each listener and upon my family and myself praise and glory be to you thank you jesus hallelujah amen thanks for tuning in to sacred storms the podcast about finding hope and holiness in the hard stuff there really is something sacred in every storm and i hope that you found something inspiring uplifting or positive about this podcast if so or you think that maybe someone else could benefit from hearing it please share it out on your socials send a link through email or um, just simply reach out and tell me what you liked about it. Also, if you didn't like something, I'd love to hear about that too. You can leave a voice message for me at anchor.fm forward slash the real Amy Sarah. You can also find me on most social media channels um, using at the real Amy Sarah as a handle. I really appreciate you being here and spending the time with me listening to the ideas that I have here. Just please know that any pertinent information that I've shared will be in the show notes. You can also visit my website, therealamysarah.com, and you can also hear this podcast at sacredstorms.com. I wish you the best. Take care.